Good morning. This is Richard Chang, the host of the Sativa segment. This is our first episode, episode one. Um, very happy to be here. This is obviously uh, a passion project of mine that um, I'm launching today officially. Um, really, the purpose of this podcast and really the genesis of why I launched this was it's an opportunity to create a platform uh, and a venue to discuss all things cannabis. Um, it's an industry that I got into eight and a half, nine years ago. Um, I'm passionate about the industry, and I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for me to have uh, different hosts or different guests on, uh, on my uh, podcast and to have some uh, valuable discussions on um, all things cannabis. Um, so by trade, I think uh, I feel obligated to at least tell the audience a little bit about myself. Um, by trade, I am a healthcare and cannabis regulatory transactional attorney. Uh, what does that really mean? Most people don't know, but um, just as a brief overview, I historically I've always been a healthcare attorney, um, advising clients on regulations, compliance, and usually in the course of a corporate transaction. And then about, uh, I don't know, eight and a half, nine years ago in late 2013, an opportunity presented itself. I fell into the world of cannabis by representing this client that wanted to know the difference between um, physician exposures or physician liability risks prescribing versus recommending uh, medical marijuana. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. And of course, that was really my first project and that transitioned into what it is today. Um, and today, about 35% of my entire uh, business is all things cannabis, and the other 65% or so is all things healthcare. And what I'm really seeing is there's a lot of crossover between the two now, more and more, more um, in different sectors of healthcare, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, one thing I would like to mention is that this particular episode is sponsored by Dads at Peace. It is a local... Um, Resource Center for Single Fathers uh, in Split Households and uh, in Controversial Situations. And if you want to know more about Dads at Peace, you can look it up uh, on Facebook. And just look up Dads at Peace. So today uh, I have two very um, special guests. This is episode one. So um, one of the guests was absolutely adamant about being the first guest. So she is, uh, she, she definitely has, um, you know, she, she, she got her wish granted. Um, her name is Melissa Trevino, and she is one of the co-founders of Buena Vida Hospice located in Houston, Texas. And she will, she and I will have some good discussions, right, Melissa, about, uh, about hospice <laughs> and hospice services uh, and obviously her personal experiences with, uh, with cannabis and how she really, um, how she really fell into the industry. And, um, another guest that's also here is Dr. Daniel Madrano. He is a physician that is also in Houston. In fact, uh, he is Melissa's business partner in Buena Vida Hospice, but in addition to that, he is also the, uh, founder and owner of Canamed RX, um, a telehealth physician practice uh, that is enrolled into the Texas Compassionate Use Program. So what that means is that he is actually legally able to um, uh, treat patients in the state of Texas, assuming they have a qualifying condition, using um, medical cannabis products under the, the Texas Compassionate Use Program. 
welcome to the both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And um, it's a, it was a long trek from, uh, from Houston. I appreciate you making the trek just for this. Our pleasure. So, um, you know, to start off, I think it's important just to have, uh, you know, have some dialogue about your, you as individuals, okay? So let's start off with Melissa, and I want to know a little bit about you. Um, you know, I've, obviously you're, you're, uh, you, you know, you're a client and I've worked with you on several projects, but tell us a little bit about you, how, you know, where you're from, how you got into, um, developing the interest in cannabis, um, and, um, maybe it has something to do with Dr. Madrano. I don't know. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Uh, thank you, Richard. So, um, thank you for having us here. Thank you for sure. having me. Uh, I'm Melissa Trevino, obviously. And, um, so I born in Houston, I naturally fell into the whole, uh, people persona of just loving people, being serving, helping the community, uh, love retail and somehow just fell into healthcare. I knew I always initially wanted to be a farmer rep and that was kind of far in, in between, but uh, fell into healthcare initially with um, print advertising, worked my way from there. And my first actual healthcare job was being a hospice rep. And that was at least like 20 plus years ago. And so what was super cool about it was I, I worked very hard in making sure that I met all the right people, all the right connections. And I knew that I wanted more than just being a healthcare rep. I knew that I loved, you know, helping the seniors, working in the senior industry, um, just really focusing on how I can change someone's life and make it uh, better, make it a better place. That was you know, on top of having children, it's like that's the a rewarding feeling. It's almost like an instant gratification when you can literally go out and help somebody and really yeah. make a difference in their life. Okay. Did you, um, have you ever, I guess, do you, do you have a family member that's, uh, that's received hospice services or do you know anybody that's in your personal life that's Yeah, that? yeah. Uh, so yes, initially, I mean, I think, you know, Yes, we've, we've all had family members. Initially, mm -hmm. when I um, fell into healthcare, I came into hospice by fluke, um, and I loved it. But, you know, my story isn't that of, I initially at that time had someone on hospice, and that's, you know, that's very, said with all due respect, cliche, you know, yeah. as to mm -hmm. how somebody got into hospice. Um, that's not me. I, um, I respect the people that did, but uh, for me, I, I fell into it. Um, you know, I had three job opportunities on the table, and I went to one of my friends, and um, I was talking to her about, you know, should I take this job, or should I take this job? And at the end of uh, talking with her for about three hours, she said, um, but wait, I, I own a hospice and I want you to work mm -hmm. for me. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know anything about it. But when I got into it, I just fell passionately in love with it. I didn't have the experience of being with a family member or, you know, going through the, the <clears throat> motions of that. Um, you know, it, it was just very different uh, when you actually have somebody on hospice services. Um, yeah. I did, you know, go through the loss of a daughter many years ago. Mm -hmm. And so that is a little curve, you know, turning point for me in my life of I 
when it comes to the state and, you know, insurances and senior rights and the opportunities and things that are available to somebody, um, I could say my experience was more so on that side um, because I was young when my daughter died at a young age. It was difficult for me to understand the system of healthcare. I didn't know that the Ronald McDonald House existed at the time. Um, I didn't know, you know, a lot of um, things that were able, that I was accessible to, you know, at, at no cost or mm -hmm. at a fraction of the cost um, when you only have private insurance. And so that experience in itself, um, you know, allowed me to just develop this passion of of love to make sure that I could help the senior industry and help them understand their their rights and their um, opportunities and what's accessible. And when mm -hmm. I came into hospice, I realized it's such a great benefit. You know, it's it's not a yeah. place. Um, and people sometimes make that mistake of, you know, hospice is a place where someone goes and sometimes actually don't like the word um, in itself personally because it, it puts a stigma on a lot of the families. And so when we talk about, you know, hospice and services and things of that nature, we really just do explain to our families it's, it's a benefit. And yeah. when you really explain to the families that, it's a prepaid benefit. It's it's not free. Um, yeah. You know, if you pay taxes or your husband pay taxes, when you look to the right of your paycheck, Medicare takes out those dollars. And so, you know, this benefit is so um, amazing. It's not, death doesn't have to be knocking on your door, you know, for you to, to raise your hand and say, I want to use it. Um, it's just a very wholesome uh, benefit and service that we provide to families. And I tell families all the time, if it's me coming in contact with them, listen, you, yep. you use it or you lose it because you, you basically prepaid for it. And it's a shame to let it go to waste. It, it's not a welfare type situation. It doesn't, you know, discredit your, who you are as a person and, or who you were. Um, it's definitely a very underutilized benefit and okay. program. And so, um, so I'm just very excited to be able to get into that concept of healthcare. It's okay. Well, I mean, that's that's a. I mean, obviously, you clearly have a very strong connection to the hospice services, given your um, obviously your, your 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 daughter's death and all the other life experiences you've yeah. had. Um, and to your point, it is you know it is paid for by Medicare. Um, it is a Medicare based service. But I guess help me understand how you got um, interested in cannabis, though. Yeah, so that. so that puts a smile on my face. Um, <laughs> uh, so in over 20 years of working in hospice, working mm -hmm. for a little over six different hospices dedicated, um, you know, I, I really got burned out, actually, in over 20-plus years, two decades of my life, um, mm. just solely dedicated to hospice. And I got burned out because I, through my entire career, I always wanted to be different. I always wanted to be able to offer our families the highest, utmost, anything we could do above and beyond. And um, it got to the point where I felt like, you know, I'm really no different. Hospices say, you know, certain things that they're going to do or, you know, they, they pitch this expectation. And, 
and really we were no different. And I felt like if I couldn't change the world and I couldn't be different, then I kind of just really didn't want to be involved anymore. I, I was, I really had hit a wall. And when I knew that medical cannabis was coming, I thought, oh gosh, here's my opportunity. God right. is good. Here's my, you know, aha moment of, I'm going to take it. I'm going to grab it. And, you know, some people might love me and a lot of people might hate me, but it's going to be game changer for the hospice industry yep. um, and for healthcare entirely. So I, uh, you know, sold my shares out of the last company that I was with and decided to uh, purchase my own as well as incorporate the medical cannabis sector or you know, concept. Mm -hmm. And, um, and reason being is because when I got burned out, Richard, I just felt like, man, you know, we just continue, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about quality of life and you talk about really wanting to change the perspective or, you know, the, uh, the, the narrative for someone's life at end of life, um, and you're given a comfy kit, which consists of certain medications and, you know, giving quality of life is giving back and actually allowing the patient to engage. Well, in hospice, you know, it was no matter what your diagnosis was, you were given the same, you know, concept or treatment. And, and it's just not like that. I love being concierge. I love being different. I love being able to create a special package for you even though you may, you know, there may be 10 people that have end-stage COPD or end-stage CHF, the package is still created for you. And when you're on this program, you're given certain medications that just constipate you or, you know, you're mostly sleeping. You'll hear a lot of times with the stigma that, um, oh, hospice killed my mom. That's really not the case. But the true, the, the case is, is that there are a lot of medications that do tend to actually decline the patient is what we felt like. And when medical cannabis came into play, you know, I felt that if we incorporated at the right timing, um, it doesn't replace comfy meds. I mean, those are incorporated when needed, but, but medical cannabis actually does give quality of life back. And, you know, it doesn't constipate our patient. It doesn't take away their appetite. They're not just sleeping all day. They're, you know, which is, you know, in, in comparison to the regular hospice meds, those tend to do that. Um, and so I love the fact that, you know, we knew medical cannabis was coming and I wanted to incorporate it to, to be a game changer to allow the patient to live a better life. And actually it was almost like a test too. I wanted right. to see if we could actually change the world and actually maybe even extend the life of the person having a certain diagnosis. It doesn't take away um, from their, you know, terminal diagnoses, it doesn't cure their terminal diagnoses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with that said, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because now you're getting into, into the medical yeah. side, right? And so we have a, a doctor here, obviously, um, <laughs> a, a licensed physician, uh, Dr. Medrano. Um, I guess, you know, with that, with that segue, you know, I, I want to really know, one, how, how did you find out about um, incorporating medical cannabis into patient care? Because that's what you do. Right. And, you know, and what are your thoughts on incorporating medical cannabis with patient care at the beginning and how has it evolved mm -hmm. over time? 
Yeah, definitely. Sh- share share with us uh, about that. You know, the the medical cannabis journey, um, as Melissa was saying, uh, started with 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 her and her idea, and then. I was approached uh, roughly around the same time by a medical cannabis dispensary rep. And as, a, as a physician, us physicians aren't told this, that this is a tool that we have in our repertoire. And so this- I'm sorry, I want to interject. So how much <laughs> medical education did you receive in medical school on medical, medical cannabis, cannabis or an endocannabinoid system? We, we very, very limited. You know, it's, it, it was in pharmacology, but okay. what they teach you is that it's a schedule one, that it's okay. a medication that is not accepted by the medical mainstream okay that it shouldn't be used and and then although you mentioned uh the the, the actual uh, modalities you can use now you know gummies versus you know tinctures yeah. they talk about smoking marijuana and so medical school doesn't teach you that and so okay. when that rep came and 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 presented the medical cannabis i like most physicians now I, I wasn't even aware texas had that option and so and then it was a it was a very steep learning curve after that, really uh, learning how we can put this medication in use for our hospice patients, mm-hmm. but also palliative care, right? So palliative care is uh, somebody who's not terminal, but certainly has a, a life-limiting disorder, a disease. Uh, for example, um, COPD or congestive yep. heart failure. Yep. You may not die from that disease process uh, within six months or a year, but, but certainly you want medications to improve your, your quality of life. And okay. we felt medical cannabis could do that. Okay. We, 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 and so, you know, you ask, how is it, how was it at the beginning? How's it now? In the beginning, it was, it was, a, it was some trepidation, you know, you're not trained as a physician to prescribe it. And so it, it was a self-education uh, on my part, mm-hmm. reaching out to other professionals, reaching out obviously to you mm-hmm. uh, on the legalities of being able to do that as a Texas physician. You know, that, that was a worry too. I was worried w- about the state of Texas. Are they going to come and, and knock on my door one day and mm-hmm. say, Hey, listen, we heard you're handing out marijuana to your patients. So are you, are you seeing that some of your colleagues have um, that same level of reticence when it comes to medical cannabis? Because you, you, you briefly mentioned that, hey, listen, I'm a physician. You have something to lose. You have your physician mm-hmm. license. You, um, um, you, know, you have different registrations, um, DEA registration, right. so forth. Tell us about, I guess, what your initial legal uh, inhibitions were when when somebody when you decide to get into medical cannabis uh, right you, you know seeking out that information as a physician yeah. isn't there's a there's a lot of gray zone in the law sure and at least as, as a physician i'm not an attorney on federal versus you should, state you, you shouldn't you should get to know one yeah well, i should i should <laughs> <laughs> i was introduced to a very good attorney we have a great that, a very, attorney <laughs> it's richard by the way if you're quite and so uh, there there's definitely a lot of trepidation i think a lot of physicians still will not even even when i educate them will not prescribe they will pass that buck to a physician who is um i, I would say who's courageous enough um who is is experienced enough to be able to say, listen, yes, I'll take that risk that is possibly there in order to provide your patient um, a medication that could really change their lives. And we've had plenty of examples of that doing that, by the way, yeah. uh, hospice and non-hospice. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned different products, yeah. um, tinctures, lozenges, mm-hmm. gummies. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the, the difference between the the, the different products and do you do you see any difference in patient outcome by using different right. products? You know, at the end of the day, it's it's the product you choose, mm-hmm. let's say a gummy versus a tincture. As a physician, you're thinking about can the patient take it? Is he able to swallow? Is he able to digest it? How fast is it going to go into the system? Yep. And how many times you have to dose it? And so 
because once again, this is not something that you're trained on. You have to go outside of the medical literature, the, the training, right, the, the residency and the medical school training, and, and get that information so that you can dose it as any other medication, as, as you would morphine. Does one get into the bloodstream faster than the other? Or like physiologically, right. did, are there differences? There is. Okay. Yeah, there is. Tell, uh, tell us about that. The one that gets into your system faster uh, isn't allowed in Texas, which is smoking and raping, <laughs> right? And Darn maybe it. one day, maybe one day, but <laughs> you know, uh, you know, digestion of the tincture is, is going to be quicker versus like a gummy, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and a lozenge in because it, if you you take it in your mouth, you know, and, and you let it really melt, it'll it'll go in a decent amount of time. You know, we're talking about thirty minutes to two hours, depending on which which uh, which dispensary product you pick. And I guess. How, what are some of the outcomes that you've had using the products that you right. used um, now versus before you decided to? Really, I, let me let me change that question. Before you started using the products mm -hmm. under Teacup um, Texas Capacity Use Program, um, were there were there differences with the type of outcomes you were striving for versus now? Now that you've been in the program for a couple of years, mm -hmm. you're, you've obviously have incorporated medical cannabis into your physician practice. Um, which is Canamed RX. Right. Um, do you? What are some of the differences with patient outcomes? Have you seen just some anecdotal examples? Right. You, you know, in, in broad terms, yeah. at the beginning, I was underdosing because I was I wasn't I you didn't were have underdosing. I was under. I, I wasn't confident enough to say, "Hey, listen, okay. we're going to do two or three products, and this is what you can do, Mr. Smith." It was just one product. And so, and so, and because of that, the patients sometimes will get frustrated. I don't feel anything. This isn't working, et cetera. But as, as I gained experience and I read up and I, I CMEs and going out to conferences, I was more comfortable dosing it higher. And so the experience now, now is that patients in general, I'm going to say, I'll go on a limb and say seven out of 10 patients with the higher dosing, uh, they, they get the results that they want medically. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. And then and there's two kinds of patients. There's our hospice patients, which are terminal patients, which by default will pass away within six months or give or take. You know, we dose them a little differently. They tend to be elderly. We, we keep a cosine them. We, we have nursing staff to follow. Canamed mm -hmm. um, uh, RX uh, deals with uh, patients who are usually non-hospice. And so now we're talking about, you know, PTSD with our veterans. We're talking about, you know, cancer. We're talking about things that are necessarily going to end a life in six months. And so I, I'm able to, um, to dose them and, and use the medicines they're on so that they get a better result. So the com comparison between before and after is that now it's my results, my end results for these patients, it's, it's much better. Yeah. Good, good. Better outcomes. Right. better outcomes. So you, you briefly mentioned um, PTSD. So, you know, based on, um, based, based on the evolution of the medical cannabis program here in Texas, it started off with one qualifying condition, mm -hmm. that being intractable epilepsy. Over time, it, from 2015 through today, it's evolved. They've added um, more and more qualifying conditions. Uh, and most recently in the 2021 legislative session, they added PTSD as a qualifying condition. I guess, ha have you seen an, uh, an increase in the number of, um, I guess, variety of different types of patients as time has transpired? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we, definitely, uh, we definitely saw a big difference the, the day after PTSD was accepted as a qualifying condition. Yep. We must have had 600 phone calls into our call center that day. Okay. It was just overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and then when it changed to terminal cancer to all cancers, that was also a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, and, and now we're seeing patients of all ages. Uh, we have a, 
physician on board who is an internal medicine pediatric board certified, and he, he deals with our teenagers and our younger mm -hmm. patients. Okay. And he's enrolled with Teacup as well? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, we employ physicians under the Canamed RX who, who are specialists in other fields, right? Um, this doctor is a, is a pediatrician, board certified, and mm -hmm. so he deals with our autism and our epilepsy patients. Yep. Uh, so, so the spectrum has widened enough now that we're able to treat um, a larger uh, qualifying conditions because, as you know, I, I think also uh, patients are hearing more about it. The public is hearing mm -hmm. more about medical cannabis. Yep. You, you see it more, right? You, yep. they, they look into it more. Um, they're, they're more vested into it. Sure. You know. <laughs> okay, so right, right now, now I want to kind of make a transition into uh, on a more of a personal one. How did you and Melissa uh, decide to launch Buena Vida Hospice? And mm -hmm. I guess um, tell us about your, your decision to going to partnership together. Yeah, sure. So Melissa and I have had uh, working... I, I see a laugh on Melissa. Yeah. I, I don't know, <laughs> what, because, that, I don't know what that really I, I means. Think being, I think being Hispanic, <laughs> if I may, it's just uh, we love the challenge, right? Yeah. And and we love, you know, we've worked together for at least, what, over over 15 years yeah, yeah. in total okay. um, through the hospice industry, through mm -hmm. healthcare. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I love the fact of his intelligence, his knowledge in medicine, um, from a board certified hospice sure. and palliative care standpoint. Um, but we love the challenge. Uh, and so ironically, when uh, I, I came to him with this idea and this plan and we decided to open Buena Vida Hospice and Canamed Rx at the same time, it was a, a challenge of over trying to overcome the stigma. So I was like, Medi we were like medical cannabis, yes. You know, what more could people be afraid of? You know, it's like they already have this stigma with the word hospice. So now let's just challenge ourselves to be the first to pioneer the whole medical cannabis and hospice because it has such a stigma. You know, there's still such a lack of knowledge um, on our, on not on our end, but like on the communities end in, in yep. the state of Texas. And so going back to Dr. Medrano, I, I'll let you explain, but um, I, I was laughing because we're just, we love the challenge in healthcare. We love to pioneer and be the first. We love to, um, you know, just be able to set the bar for, for the next, you know, so to speak, to come. Right. And so. And it's been challenging because we decided <laughs> to go on this journey as partners, right? It, it used to be where uh, Melissa was representing a hospice that I would be a medical director for, mm -hmm. or I refer patients to. And then, you know, and there were things that we didn't, we didn't like about, Correct. you know, some hospices and, and her and I sometimes would be on the phone and we would complain about, hey, this patient didn't get this and, and that's not right. So finally we decided, listen, if we're going to do it right, we, we have to do it. You know, mm -hmm. you know what they say, if you want to get it, you want to do it right, get it done right, you do it yourself. That's right. That's and so right. we decided to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we took that challenge and then, but we took that challenge right before COVID. <laughs> And so it's been very challenging to uh, open the... up the Cannabis RX clinic and a hospice yep. in the middle of COVID where your hospice has to go through all this um, we accreditation. We did it from scratch. And they, they, you know, they were pushing, pushing back. They don't want to see us in person, COVID protocol. So, yeah, when you say challenging, it, it's, it's been challenging. But, uh, but I think us joining forces, her experience um, on the, uh, the business, business side and my experience on the clinical side as a hospice and palliative care board certified physician, Yep. It's been amazing. Yeah, I thought it would be a great So thing. you've used the word palliative care a couple yes. times, and we've thrown out the words hospice. There are plenty of people out there, probably the ones who are uh, hopefully listening to this podcast, they don't know the difference right. between palliative care and hospice. Um, as a physician, can, can you explain 
and the difference? Can you tell us sure. what the differences are? You know, not going into medical terms, just in layman's terms. Truly, hospice is end of life. It is, you yep. know, you have X amount of months, maybe weeks, maybe days, maybe less than a year. Your 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 medical condition mm-hmm. is going. You're gonna you're gonna pass away from it. Palliative care it, it encompasses some of that. There's some overlap because there's an overlap between hospice and palliative at a certain point. Palliative care is for a condition, a permanent condition that you may have, that you is you're not gonna cure it. It's uncurable. But yet you can still get quality of life and symptom management um, by a palliative care physician to get you to an end result where you're not in continuous pain or, mm-hmm. or, or short of breath all the time or you can't get out of bed because your, your legs are too swollen because your heart's failing. And so um, that's the difference, right? Palliative care yep. doesn't necessarily mean, you still, you, yeah. right, you can still get care. You're still getting, you actually can still get aggressive care. Sure. You're still seeing your physicians, your specialists, et cetera. You know, hospice care transitions more to the end of life. Okay, so what happens if you're under palliative care and your condition gets better and mm-hmm. start, it's starting to get so much better that you, it may not even be appropriate to stay on hospice care? Sure. How, t- tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that and does that, how often does that happen and does, does it happen? It, it does happen. Okay. It, it doesn't happen very often okay. because uh, the patients that we take care of um, truly are vetted. They, they're going to meet our criteria for being on hospice. Yep. But we also have to answer to the criteria that CMS, the, the, the government, Medicare. Yep. And, and so, yes, some will say, patients will say, the term you hear in the hospice arena is they graduate out of hospice. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and the, the interesting is a lot of these patients get better because you, you put that team into their home. You put the, the social worker, the chaplain, the nurse, the director of nursing, myself as a physician, and they get this attention. All of a sudden, they perk up, right? They, they, they feel better. They look better. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and that end of life gets pushed out a little bit further, and so they graduate out of it. But rarely do we ever discharge somebody and then they don't come back because eventually that disease process will follow its natural trajectory and yeah. you will need to be placed back on hospice. Okay. And so this is, this is a good point where I segue into, so how does, how does cannabis get incorporated into hospice care? Yeah. Um, and, and to what degree? And this is really a question for really both of yeah. you. And right. how does that work? T- tell us about how cannabis gets incorporated into hospice care and or palliative care. Yeah, so I would say first, uh, you know, Buena Vida Hospice being born um, and Canamedrex being born is uh, number one, you know, we we have the most amazing attorney, you know, uh, medical (laughs) canvas savvy, Richard, um, who's in front of me. Uh, But mostly I would say the important legalities are first. Legalities are so important in making sure that everyone knows. Um, Buena Vida Hospice, the licensing, that's strictly hospice. Yep. It's completely separate from CanMetrx, our billing, all everything under the roof. Um, and so it's it's defined by each patient. It's an offer. Um, it's an it's an option, rather, right? So um, when we have hospice patients or patients coming on, uh, you know, they think they're actually super cool. So if you imagine nowadays, we life has a longer 
there's a longer lifespan, longevity versus even 10 years ago in hospice. 10 years ago, you know, we were we were getting, you know, 70, 80 year olds. Now the age span of, of our hospice patients is like 90 and above, even mm -hmm. several hundred year olds. Um, and so it's an option given to them, you know, if they want to try it, medical cannabis um, versus it, a lot of it is also having the knowledge and education on culture, certain cultures, um, mm -hmm. which we do when we created Gwena Be the Hospice. Um, you know, we, we just bring so much knowledge to the table. It's so different where we actually do individualize the patient care. And so when you talk about um, coming on service, when we talk to them and we ask them, you know, would you be interested in medical cannabis? Um, and they just like think it's the coolest thing ever. Uh, you know, they actually tell their friends that they're on it, you know, okay. <laughs> and they make it just sound so cool. Um, but it, it goes even further, I would say, even just from a, for, uh, you know, I'll pass it to Dr. Madrano, but um, just every patient is, you know, either they're going to want it or they're not. But sometimes we actually get the community that calls us on their own and says, I'm yeah. looking to come on hospice. And, you know, we always, our, our office is very, you know, intuitive of, you know, well, where are you calling from? How did you hear about us or, you know, whatnot. And uh, they basically will say, you know, we want medical cannabis. We want to come on with a physician that's educated and providing hospice services to us, but that mm -hmm. also can medication manage our medical cannabis while we're on service. Mm -hmm. And so I'll mm -hmm. let Dr. Madrano take it, but... Um, that was, it's really cool to see these elderly, you know, the senior industry really just, they're so excited about it once they know about it. It's amazing how many don't know still. Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll chime in on that is that, um, you know, well, first of all, when the both of you came to me about uh, <laughs> representation, I, at that point, I hadn't... Um, you know, I, had, I hadn't really uh, experienced too many hospices that were mm -hmm. interested in doing that. Well, you sounded confident when we talked to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there weren't That's right. any. Well, you know what they say. We you were got, the you, first. You got, you got at least, you know, come across as yeah. confident. Right. Well, I, I, would, I would say this is that um, it's not that I've never. It's just at mm -hmm. that point, I was a little surprised. Like, right. oh, well, you know, more. I guess more and more are, 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 are expressing some level of interest. Mm -hmm. What I've had, um, you know, some interesting interactions with are assisted living facilities mm -hmm. or skilled nursing facilities, advising them on, hey, um, we have a resident that wants to do this, this, and this. What are our legal risks mm -hmm. when it comes to having our staff administer this? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's 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 well known that in the uh, long in the post acute care world that um, there are certain skilled nursing facilities that are using a lockbox program. Mm -hmm. On uh, there, and there's a very specific protocol, and then of course I get brought in to develop policies and procedures and educating them about how to follow that such protocol. So when you guys came to me and said you wanted to do this, um, I was a you know I was a little I was pleasantly surprised, but nevertheless somewhat surprised. I guess shifting to <laughs> Dr. Madrano, um, you know, you know how, how what are the outcomes, clinical outcomes, are you seeing right. with? using medical cannabis for the palliative demographic and for, and for the, the hospice demographic, being which the first, yeah, right. Being, right. you know, being one of the few, I, right. I don't know if it's the only one in Texas. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have knowledge of that, but it's it certainly, you know, I, I represent a lot of hospices mm -hmm. in Texas and out of all my hospice clients, you guys are the only ones that are doing that. Yes. 
yeah, I think yeah, we were, and we're the first, right? I, I believe I mean, so. Back then, and we and we and we we decided to be committed, and and so that that being said, on the clinical side, you know, that medication I consider a medication it gets put into mm-hmm. the the patient's you know medication for hospice and palliative care, whatever they're taking, mm-hmm. and and we've had we had we've had success. Now, I just want a disclaimer because you know it's not a cure all. Right, it works great for our elderly patients who have Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, uh, anxiety, insomnia because of their their uh, mm-hmm. disorders. It helps weight with the anxiety of of, um, of the thought of passing. Um, it helps the family because those patients, um, the anxiety level goes down, uh, they sleep better. I'm able to take away some of the medications they were on before. You know, so if you're on Xanax, for example, and we we put you on the right dose of medical cannabis, we have success rates of taking off some of the other medications that may cause over sedation or, or a risk of, of overdosing, right? There's not that risk with the medical cannabis. Now, that being said, a patient who has metastatic cancer to the bone, yes, medical cannabis is going to help, but it's not going to be as effective in regards to, mm-hmm. you're going to have to couple it with other modalities, other pain meds, yep. right? So in regards to our success, we feel like it's helped our patients mm-hmm. tremendously. I think we feel yeah. very we feel very I, successful. I would say clinically, um, right? Yes, clinically, very confident. Um, and and also, I <clears throat> I will say we were, to our knowledge, we were the first in Houston for sure. Uh, we were the first to have the first medical cannabis billboard uh, for Canamedrex along I ten. We were mm-hmm. the first to um, actually even have uh, certain merchant services. You know. Um, but more importantly, it, it's we truly do consider this a medication, and we truly have the best team of medical physicians, you know, combined from and nursing staff and and nursing staff, yeah. of course. But yeah. I'm just talking about just right. Canamed in general, Canamedrex. Um, you know, we do employ physicians, and we feel that we have a high caliber of educated physicians that Dr. Medrano mm-hmm. has trained. Uh, you know, to um, work under him and help the state of Texas. Um, you know, it's just we do treat it as a medication, and I, I elaborate and stress on that because you know I personally get so worried when I I see these stores, you know, just promoting themselves as dispensaries, and it does cause chaos and confusion to some of the community in you know the city of Houston because. You know, we get calls a lot where they'll ask, are we a dispensary? And, mm. and it, you know, our staff gets, the countermetric staff gets a little confused because you have to understand what they're asking, what they're looking for, because if given the wrong answer, you know, they may hang up and try someone else. But really what they're looking for is, are you able to help me or prescribe or, you mm. know, and so I think the terminology and verbiage gets yeah. crossed. Yep. Um, and so as a as a medical clinic, to our knowledge, we were the first standalone uh, medical cannabis, medi- medical cannabis clinic in Houston. Um, and we take it serious as a medication. When you go into the stores, you know, we actually visit uh, certain places in out of state, and um, and we listened and we watched. You know, as people walked in, what they were being asked, and so as an example, a lady walked in and she says, um, "You know, I have hypertension. I'm diabetic. I can't sleep. I also take, you know, all these other meds," and they just kind of, you know, steered her into a certain product and. 
And that was a little worrisome, you know, is myself and a couple other physicians, including Dr. Medrano. And, uh, and so when we talk about Canamatorex, I mean, you know, it's, it's very important that people know that it is a medication and we treat it as such. And we're very proud to have the success and the positive outcomes that we've had thus far with the patients that we've come in contact with from pediatric to hospice to non-hospice, you know, to veterans. To veterans. Yeah. Um, we're very, my son, mm -hmm. actually, my eldest is, uh, you know, been in the Air Force 11 years. Um, so I'm, we're very big on, on the whole veterans program and, and helping support them yeah. with all, all issues, not just PTSD. And for the record, I, I just want to say that, you know, PTSD comes in different forms. You don't, a lot of it is you, you think about the veterans, yeah, but it doesn't have to be right. military. Correct. Yeah, it's not isolated. Correct. To yeah. We have yeah. patients who, right. you know, you can get PTSD from, from Harvey. The storm. That's you right. PTSD yeah. from an assault, you know, sexual violence. We're working too much. Crime, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, some nursing staff I've come across have had PTSD because of the COVID when they were in the COVID yeah. pandemic mm -hmm. and sure. they were working nonstop in ICU and now they seem, don't seem to be able to work. And so, yeah, I mean, it comes in different. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned staff, right? So I'm, I'm curious because you, you, well, first of all, you, I've briefly mentioned that your Canamed RX uh, is telehealth, but it's mm -hmm. not limited to just telehealth, isn't it? I mean, people can walk in to mm -hmm. your clinic. It's right. a storefront. Like, if I didn't want to use telehealth, mm -hmm. you know, I was a patient, I was your patient, you know, I could come to your clinic right. and say, yes. I want to see Dr. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. That's possible. Yes, yes. And, and we meant it to be that way initially, but once again, we opened it right when everything shut down with mm -hmm. COVID. And so we, the next best thing would be uh, televisit because even televisit, trans, even as a primary care yep. physician, we transitioned to a lot of televisit. And so that's mm -hmm. how we took care of the first sure. medical cannabis yeah. patient. Sure. Well, but yes, we do have a, a, a clinic where they can walk in. Yeah. So the point is you offer both the in-person yes. and the yes. uh, yes. telehealth. Yes. yes. Well, um, because we service the entire state of Texas, yep. you know, it. that's why it's really awesome that with medical cannabis, you can do telehealth as an option. Um, we, we, and Dr. Madrano can tell you, uh, you know, the areas that we have patients mm -hmm. in and cover and service, but you know, for the city of Houston, they absolutely can mm -hmm. schedule an appointment um, and come into the clinic in person. It's a true physician clinic. But if mm -hmm. you want to elaborate, because we do service the state of Texas, telehealth um, for all of our physicians that work under CanamatterX is a big, you know, part of how they yeah. operate. And right. we oh, have yeah. patients and. No. The Definitely. first time I'd ever heard of Marfa, Texas, actually, because was one of our patients. Marfa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Is it really? I, and it was kind of funny because they were like, "What? You don't know the Prada store out there?" I'm like, or yeah. the Prada, you know? It's like, technically not in Marfa. Right? It's, it's not. Like, it's not. It's it, so you have to go outside of Marfa yeah. before okay. you get to this little tiny town called Valencia. I think. Oh, okay. Because I've been there before. And, yeah. Um, you know, to completely off topic, they they actually said they now they put sensors oh, on the bottom wow. of the shoes because people were breaking into. Oh, the oh shoes. wow, yeah. So I'd never heard of Marfa, Texas, or uh, Paris, Texas. I kind of thought it was oh, yeah. a joke. I was like, is somebody punking me right now? <laughs> Um, but yeah, we have patients like in the Valley, you know, from yep. just Corpus, San Antonio, mm -hmm. Austin, all over, all over. And, like, and that's important, right? Because I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the definition of rural medicine is that mm -hmm. the accessibility of medicine, yeah. uh, of, because there are people who are in 
in the valley or yeah, in right. Marfa or in, you know, yeah. in, in somewhere that's a little bit more sparse. And it's hard. They may end up driving 100 miles, yeah. if not yeah. more, to just to access health care. Yeah. Right. Um, it's so sad. You know, even, and it's kind of cool um, because I know most people don't. I was born in Houston, but yeah. I grew up in a very small town called Eagle Lake, Texas. Oh, and okay. having the clinic, I mean, we have a large population out of, you know, certain cities, but it was very cool to see that we actually have patients from my own hometown. And I don't think they even realize the connection, mm -hmm. but um, the rural areas are just, you know, we, we try very hard to make sure that they know that we do service them because we want to make sure we're, you know, helping the rural community. It's very difficult for them, like you said, uh, Richard, for them to get health good health care. Yeah. Do you see any particular um, pushback from staff? Because you mentioned you hire mm -hmm. nurses and right. different types. Well, of, do, do, you, do, you, do you get any pushback from staff saying, Dr. Madrano, I don't know if I feel comfortable working in an environment where you're you know, involved with yeah, cannabis? cannabis? No, no, no. The staff we have now, um, we've educated, we've trained. Yep. Um, you know, for hospice, we meet every two weeks to discuss a patient and their clinical needs and their social needs and their, mm -hmm. their all their needs to get them uh, to a good place uh, mentally and physically. But the staff is allowed to ask questions. We yep. talk those who mm -hmm. are on medical cannabis. We we talk about uh, the patient and how they're being helped and if they have any questions. When people are hired onto our hospice, they mm -hmm. are told this is what we do. Cannabis. We, we do medical cannabis. Um, you know, maybe one in the last two years was a little hesitant when, when heard um, that we were dealing with, with medical cannabis as a, as a tool to help our hospitals. I re the reason I ask that is, you know, we're in 2022 now, mm -hmm. and this is just my personal opinion, is that given maybe, say, 15, 20 years ago, you might have seen more pushback mm -hmm. by staff, right? Yeah. So, I mean... W what, what that really sign signals to me is that the the stigma mm -hmm. and some of the um, notions about how cannabis has been incorporated into our social fiber and just our everyday lives has started to evolve over time. I agree. Um, and, you know, it's good to see because to Melissa's point, I think you, you said, well, this is medicine. It is medicine. Yeah. I mean. And I could actually say, Richard, um, you know, when we onboard regarding we only hire physicians thus far and some nurse practitioners for Canamedrx, but when you talk about the nursing staff, that's more of a Buena Vida hospice. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's that staff and the nursing staff. But from, we're actually very proud to say like Buena Vida hospice pioneers mm -hmm medical cannabis like crazy and uh, you know i know that there are some hospices that struggle with um staffing and employing we actually are a little we're i we're a lot different but um you know i think we have a leg up because we actually have nurses knocking on our door to come and work with us and for us because, yeah. because of you know cannabis. yeah because of the medical cannabis it actually oh, no kidding yeah, yeah. it's opposite mm -hmm. we right. we have like i mean just this week alone coming Next because there's week. all kinds of nursing challenges in, in, yeah, in, in so, healthcare in general, yeah, uh, particularly so, in post-acute care. Yeah, so, well, particularly, yes. Yeah. So, so when it comes to hospice, um, 
we're positioning ourselves very well with staffing um, and also just the education. So when you when we onboard our nursing, we call it Countamed 101 and Dr. Medrano, you know, heads it. And so basically the training that the nursing gets when they come on board from the CNA to the RN case manager, the LVN, they're very well educated and it also increases their portfolio to actually learn about, you know, yeah. a, a new medication that is is going to be the way of the world. I mean, it's going to be inevitable, you know, nursing homes are going to end up with these patients and not know how to take care of them. But when we get referrals, I mean, our nursing staff is ready to go. Our nursing staff is highly trained and educated on how to take care of, you know, the palliative hospice patient, more so hospice. Um, and we're very proud of that because that is what sets us apart in Houston um, is just, you know, our nursing staff is, it's not only the physicians that are educated or, you know, the business side of it, but we give a lot of credit to our director of nursing, to our, you know, ADON, to our office team, to the CNA, um, who all understand that, hey, this is very, they think it's very cool to work for the first hospice in Houston who started this. And Well, I'll go even further. Yeah. Uh, recently, in the last uh, 12 months, we've had other hospices called asking mm -hmm. us to teach them because uh, they want to do it. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they want their medical director to prescribe. They want to know how, what, the legalities, what's going on. How did you, yep. how did your agency take care of it? And so those opportunities are Richard opening first. up. No. Right? <laughs> Uh, those opportunities are open enough for us to perhaps also consult out to outside hospices and, and tell them, hey, listen. Yeah, it sounds like the community's um, being, uh, I guess, they're opening up their arms a little bit mm -hmm. more to the mm -hmm. concept of incorporating this. Uh, because I know, Melissa, you and I have had a couple conversations about, um, and we won't name any names certainly, but uh, different sectors of healthcare that has come to you about potential business opportunities. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Incorporating... Uh, cannabis into their uh, their overall patient care. Um, so I, I definitely think that um, it's it, you, there's there's starting to be a lot of crossover. Yeah. I mean, the, the two worlds are really kind of starting to collide yeah. more and more. Yeah. Um, and I think I've always seen that, but I'm seeing it more and more now right. than ever before. Um, you know, this is really going to be a last question. We, you know, in the interest of time, we do have to uh, start wrapping it up. But um you know, in your own words, do, do you have any um, mm. any insight on, um, you know, for other doctors who want to get into this? Do you, do, you, do you have any insight for them just in general? I mean, my insight would be um, educate yourself. Uh, don't be afraid of asking about the legalities and protections allowed. Uh, it would I would also tell them, you know, make sure your 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 malpractice insurance carrier understands what you're doing. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to get coverage as a writer on my malpractice insurance. That's a big deal for, for physicians. Yep. Um, and it's and then reach out to physicians who actually do this. Um, if you look into that Kurt system, you know I I, for, I lost count how many docs are on there now. I think initially it was maybe about two hundred. Now it's uh, further. Now it's three hundred maybe. Um, I think it actually is eclipsing. It's close to it's eclipsing like four hundred. Four hundred, right? Um, so so definitely the word's getting out. And what I would say, if you're a physician, actually, if you're a young physician right now, not not to disrespect uh, older physicians like myself, but if you're a young physician, it's the attitude has changed about medical cannabis. Yeah. Um, I still get pushback from my older colleagues, older colleagues, you know, and who are in the twilight of their careers. If you're a young physician, look into it because your patients are taking it, whether you know it or not. Mm, or they're they, going to the they store. Want it, 
or they're getting it illegally and you don't want that. Right. And as a physician, if they're not telling you what they're on and you're trying to treat their disease process, um, you, you can, it's, it's a disadvantage to you to take care of that patient if you're not fully invested in, in what they're willing to put in their body to take care of their symptoms. Yeah. And Melissa, do you have um, like an abbreviated just um, yeah. tip for starting or to uh, get involved with hospice or maybe it's a tip for patients? Um, anything you want to say? Um, I would just say in, in kind of following what Dr. Madrano just said, uh, you know, number one, you have to have a strong medical leader. And we do with having Dr. Madrano on board. Um, leadership is important. I just kind of want to throw that out there as far as um, if there are any physicians that have questions, they can freely call mm -hmm. Dr. Madrano and, you know, contact him through the Canamed website or leave a message, whatnot, um, because it all starts with a strong leader, a strong physician leader. Um, you know, that's the all strong, it starts with a strong, amazing lawyer, but um, then the physician leader. And in regards to hospice, um, again, I give props back to our lawyer, um, which is Richard Chang, because it it's important to understand the legalities when it comes to hospice. Mm -hmm. It's not easy when I say that uh, Buena Vida Hospice truly pioneered this whole, you know, new ever-changing game uh, or game changer in the beginning it's um you know there are a lot of legalities that come with having the hospice it being government funded keeping it separate um for hospices out there you know if, if anybody has a question uh, because we are also adding the consulting component to mm -hmm. our company which would be counter management um you know they can feel free to call us but in regards to any patients across the state of texas even if it's a hospice question any hospice any any patient um you know my advice would be just to always remember that you have rights as a human being and you don't need a referral from a physician for medical cannabis you can literally raise your hand and just you know decide to give us a call and, and inquire about it right and you don't need a physician referral to come on hospice with us um but we do have to of course have you know, paperwork and statistics that show X, Y, Z. Um, but just to ask a question, you don't need a referral just to ask a question. And so I would always guide people to um, our Buena Vida Hospice website, you know, um, www.buenavidahospice.com, um, you know, as far as CanamadRx, it's canamdrx.com. Um, and, and just make sure to ask those questions. There's never a silly question. Sure. Um, every question is important. We're always looking forward to, you know, hearing questions because it also creates new feedback, new awareness, even for us on the business side. Um, so we're very excited to have been here. We're very thankful to you and just very excited to be able to service the entire state of Texas. It's great. awesome. It's been great. I mean, it's really been great. Well, thanks, Melissa, and thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, I know we're running a, a little bit low on time, but um, I just want to say I really thank you to both of you for making the time to be on uh, episode one of the yeah. Sativa segment. Thank you. Um, and it's it's been a wonderful discussion. Um, and I'll keep emphasizing, you know, healthcare and cannabis is starting to really collide together and cross over. And yeah. with the you know, with the crossover, I just want to point out that there's this particular book uh, published by the American Law Association. I had the 
honor and the privilege to be one of the co-authors of that book. Um, I promise you, I'm not getting royalty fees off of it. I just think it's, <laughs> I just think it's a, it's a good guide. Um, a lot of other um, really good attorneys that contributed into that publication. But again, it's called the Healthcare in the Business of Cannabis. And it's published by the uh, American Health Law Association. Um, that is it. Um, I've really, again, I've really enjoyed this discussion and I think it's been very educational for me and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, your knowledge and your, 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 uh, your depth is going to reach out to all the listeners out there. Thank you, Richard. Well, we're very honored to be here and to Thank be you. the first. <laughs> yes. It's, it's yes. a really big deal to be the it, first. It is a big deal to you, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> and you got the first spot. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, Richard. Thank all you. right. Well, thank you. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.